So welcome again to all of you who are here watching and those watching online now or later. And thank you, Mexico Mission Trip, for leading us in worship. You know, I've been thinking about mission trips this past week and remembering my initial thoughts about these trips. When I met my husband, Dave, 30 years ago, he was someone involved in his church, and I was still a seeker, someone wondering about Jesus. And I remember Dave told me he was planning to go on a mission trip to Bolivia, building a clinic in a rural area. He'd gone once before. And I looked at him and said, this really doesn't make sense to me. I fully embrace the idea of helping a community that needs resources, but let's run the analysis. You're a management consultant. How much is your daily billable rate? And how much is the airfare to Bolivia? Oh, and how much physical labor do you do? How heavy is that briefcase you carry? Does this make financial or logical sense? How about you just send a large check? And this was before we were even married. I'm still opinionated. He had a warning. But here is where I got it wrong. God isn't about efficiency, at least as we understand efficiency. God is more about relationship, relationship to us and connection to him and each other. And God's plans are bigger than what we can perceive. I think we can reason through what makes, we think that we can reason through what makes sense in the kingdom of God, but we miss some things. Like the story of the people in Israel, that first reading by Abby, the people genuinely wanted to do what was right and good for God. They wanted to build a cedar building, but that's not what God wanted. God's plan was to still dwell in tents with his people. They thought they knew what was proper and what was efficient and right, but they were wrong. So how can we tell? How do we discern what God wants for us to do? What is God's cosmic plan and what is our place in it? So let's look to God's word, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. It was intended to be this circular letter it was supposed to be shared with multiple churches, so it's focused on the big picture, on God's cosmic purposes, and on the unity that should be shared across all the churches. Please pray before we explore God's word together. Dear God, we are your people who seek to know your plans and your guidance for our lives. Your sovereign will is so vast and hard to discern on our own, yet we have this guide through the Holy Spirit, O oh, Holy Spirit, inspire us and help us that we might join you where you're moving in our world. Grant us enlightened hearts to hear your word and to be formed by it this morning. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for those who believe according to the workings of his great power? God put this work 
to, God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now this is grand, evocative language. It can feel sweeping, but it's hard to grasp, isn't it? God's goals aren't measured in linear ways. God's ways aren't our ways. God's plan is playing out on so many levels we can't begin to comprehend. We can't see or know everything at play in a circumstance. It's a little bit like how I see a Rubik's Cube. The cube has faces with squares, yellow, blue, red, green, so forth. You can twist and turn and scramble these squares because they're interlocked with different faces. It's a multi-level puzzle. The challenge is to line up all the sides of the puzzle by color after they're scrambled. It's hard to keep track of everything in play. A move of the cube consists of rotating the faces 90, 180, 270 degrees. There are trillions of possible states this square can be in. Now, I know some of you smart people that there are hacks for figuring out the Rubik's Cube, so it's not the very best example. I know you'll show them to me. You'll email me. You'll bring a Rubik's Cube to the next barbecue. Why don't you do that? I think that would be fun. Maybe you need more of a challenge, like this. I can't even call it a cube. It's still a cube. Imagine this version, but use your imagination. Imagine this Rubik's Cube having infinite dimensions, billions of squares for each person, that the scale and power of God working through God's people in ways we can't foresee. It's a huge, scoop, it's a huge scope to consider, this huge scope. The whole world is God's Rubik's Cube. God's working out a cosmic purpose through Jesus, something God determined before the foundation of the world. Through Christ, God offers us redemption, adoption. God has a plan for us. God has put all things of that plan under Christ's feet to restore the whole universe to what God had intended. So not just the world, but the universe. And it's hard to fathom our place in that, how do we move from that cosmic big picture to our own lives, to who we are? You know, I'm, I'm indebted to my good friend and former colleague, Dr. Mark Roberts. He's a New Testament theologian who wrote a commentary on Ephesians, and he's a practical theologian who's focused on the theology of work. And this is what Mark says about this passage. He says, we are not incidental to God's story nor are we merely those upon whom God acts. Rather, we are by grace participants in God's story, sharers together in his work of redemption in Christ. We are participants and sharers through this work, friends. But how do we share in this work? How do we go from God's cosmic plan to understanding our personal place in that plan? We seek to have the eyes of our hearts enlightened about God's plan for us. And there are some reliable ways to seek that. 
First, we seek to join God where God is already moving. Secondly, we embrace that relationships are more important than efficiency. And third, we learn that there's no divide between secular and sacred work. There's no divide between a project at the church, your vocational work, your schooling, the friendships you make in your neighborhood, the way you engage in the world. First, we seek to know where God is already moving, working. We know that God is the source of justice and kindness. So we know that when we go and seek to be involved in places where justice is raised and kindness is developed, we can be assured that God is already there. Micah 6.8, you know this verse. What is he told you, O mortal? What is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? So what is humility? How do we understand that? C.S. Lewis wrote that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Or self-forgetfulness. Walking with God, walking humbly with God, means we're thinking of God and others as our focus. Keeping our eyes open. Thinking less about ourselves. God will be at work somewhere if we seek to have eyes that will see. And you know this, our familiar motto, come and see, go and do. I'm adding the with. <laughs> I added a little reminder that we come and see with enlightened hearts that God is good. Then we go and do with God something in the world that we're called to. You know, in the Presbyterian Church USA, we call those who are sent abroad to service in varied places, we call them mission co-workers. And it kind of sounds awkward at first, unless you remember that it's supposed to be a humble reminder that God is already working at those places that our mission co-workers are sent. It's with humility that we acknowledge that we North Americans are joining with those who are serving in their home contexts that just because we come with resources, we're not in charge. And that's the same posture we have when we go to Mexico, when we partner with Amor. Amor is our partners, and they are already at work in Mexico with the local pastors who are called to their home, serving their people. The local pastors are the ones who choose the people who are gonna receive the homes that we build. God is already at work in those individuals' lives. On this last trip, I heard that our team built a home for Magdaleno. He's a man with health issues. He has limited mobility. So unlike some families that we've built for who can join us and kids play with us, he didn't have quite as much of an ability to engage with our team as some others in the past. But you know who came out? Magdaleno's neighbors who had cared for this man God was already working for and working through the neighbors, and we joined in. Those neighbors were already praying for this man, and we stepped into where God was already working. And another way, besides joining where God is already working, is to go and look at relationships. Relationships are more important than efficiency. That's a good measure. Relationships are part of God's cosmic plan, and they are not defined by efficiency, but by unity and love. 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are bound together in love and unity, existing before the creation of the earth. And flowing from that, we can acknowledge relationships are more important. Relationships are more important than seeing people as instruments. God doesn't use us as pawns or expect that we're just instruments in his plan. Each person is important. We're all sharing in God's plan together. And sometimes we get to see the threads of sharing. We get to see the facets. This trip, you all got to meet Pastor Juan, and he's a local pastor who grew up in an Amor house. So if you don't embrace relationship over efficiency, if you see people as instruments and pawns, sometimes we can fall prey to the things that tarnish the idea of short-term mission trips. Things like romanticizing poverty, which minimizes the real suffering of real people that God loves. Or even worse, the idea that God would use somebody else's hardship as a lesson for us. If we focus on relationships, we won't fall prey to those difficulties, those egregious things that can happen in short-term mission trips. And then the third way that we go from this cosmic plan of God to a personal calling is to recognize that there's no divide between secular and sacred work. All work, whether at home or in the marketplace, in the church, in a service project, in the community, it's all about sharing God's gifts. God has put all things under Christ's feet. And this is what Martin Luther said about work. All the work in the field, in the garden, in the city, in the home, in struggle, in government. To what does it all amount before God but child's play by means of which God is pleased to give his gifts everywhere. These are the masks of our Lord God behind which he wants to be hidden and do things. So yes, there is a mystery of God. We find God's work flows through us, the children of God. Our work is child's play, not to reduce it and minimize it, but it's our joyful way of being about our Father's work. And we may not have a Rubik's Cube of options before us, although sometimes it feels that way, but each of us have a lot of things before us, and we have to decide. We have to pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Each of you individually have to decide your path with God's power in you. You have to keep your eyes open where God is moving. You have to know that at each season, there's a different mix of work. You know this. Those of you who are in your third third, who have retired from vocational work, you know each season is different. Those of you raising a family about to be an empty nester, you know each season is a different mix of work. You need God's discernment to know what the mix is for this season. You know, sometimes being in a different context on a short-term mission trip or a unique service opportunity gives you an opportunity to meet a wise person who's not in your usual context. And it helps you see your context, how you're called by God at home. This has happened to me on a trip to Africa where I got a sense of my call, not to Africa, but something at home with this wise person gave me a vision to see. 
Sometimes your relationship with a person helps you determine your path, but ultimately it is between you and God. I often have the privilege to invite people to consider roles in the church, and I try to do this with a mindset of blessing and affirmation rather than certainty and arm-twisting. Hopefully, those who have, been in, who have been invited by something by me felt that. I trust God will move on someone's heart and mind, and I'm inviting them because I see their gifts. I recognize their character. I see how they will bless God's people, but I may not see clearly how they're to use those gifts. I may not see clearly what God has for that person because God has a purpose for me and for you. The big purpose is that we live to bless God's glory in everything, in every part of our life. And there is mystery in that. There's mystery in that, mystery and beauty versus efficiency. And we embrace that because God's ways are not our ways. His cosmic purposes are vast, but we have ways to enlighten our heart about this place. We seek to pray. We seek to join God where we see kindness and mercy and justice at work. We prioritize relationships over people as instruments, and we reject a false divide between secular and sacred. It all belongs to God. So friends, come and see, go and do with God this week and beyond. And all God's people said, amen. amen.